good morning again. And Merry Christmas again. If you weren't here uh, last night, uh, you might be wondering, what's this thing right here? Well, last night we shared a tradition that, that my family had, and uh, just thought I'd light this up real quick here as I explain. This is called an Advent wreath, and it's done with an evergreen, this is fake from Hobby Lobby, but use your imagination, okay? <laughs> an evergreen to symbolize everlasting life. And then there are candles within this evergreen that just symbolize attributes uh, of Christmas, right? And, and uh, we have several different candles here, so I'll light them up for you. I didn't light them before I did this last night, so they were a little persnickety, but we had the, uh, the hope candle and the peace candle and the joy candle and the love candle. And usually what my family would do is, is uh, four Sundays before Christmas, uh, each Sunday we would get together and, and we would light one of the candles and talk about the attribute uh, that went with that candle. So joy or peace or love and, and, and how uh, Christ displayed that to us uh, in the Christmas season. And each Sunday we would do that. And then on Christmas Day or on Christmas Eve, we would light the Jesus candle. But the problem is last night we did the whole shebang. So we did all of them together, which is okay. So I thought what I would do today is just share with you what we did on Christmas Day. So Christmas Day, we would light our Jesus candle, and we would read the Jesus, or excuse me, the Christmas story. So uh, it is the Jesus story. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 2. I'm going to start reading in, in verse 1. You can read along with me, or you can just sit back and just imagine what this was like in your head, but... Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and the family of David. This should remind us of our first Samuel study, as we're getting into David now. That's the David that he's talking about there. In order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave a birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds, staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring to you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then, and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry, and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, 
They made known the statement which they had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. Let's pray. Lord, we pray today as we study your word, Lord, that we would treasure these things up in our heart, that we would hold on to them, and that we would marvel at the wondrous work that you've done through your son, Jesus Christ. We pray that your words would be my words, Lord, and that your Holy Spirit would teach us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we know as we study the Bible, we need to remember that even though events appear to us to happen one right on top of the other, there can be years that pass between the stories. And that's the case of what we're looking at today. We just wrapped up the birth of the Messiah there uh, midway through the uh, chapter 2 there, complete with angels and shepherds and babies, or a baby, not babies. I mean, who doesn't like a baby, right? There's excitement and there's joy. People are marveling. We don't say that very much. You marvel at anything anymore? Wow, this is amazing. And as Luke skips across the surface of Jesus' life, we only get a couple of stories in between this moment and when Jesus turns 30-ish, right? We only get a couple of stories in between there. He's been baptized by John the Baptist. He's been tempted by Satan himself. And now he's going to return to his hometown. And really, this is just a page turn for me. But we need to remember that years have gone by. He's returned to his hometown. And it's at this point that Jesus is going to start his public ministry. Up until this point, he's done things. We we haven't heard very much about them. We knew about the, the water that was turned into wine at the wedding and whatnot. But now he's going to start his public ministry. He's going to proclaim who he is. And that's where we get to to Luke chapter 4, and we we go about halfway through there, and we get to verse 14. And I I want you to just listen to what Jesus did, right? He'd been um, baptized by John. The Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. God the Father said, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. He was taken out into the desert. Satan tempted him, offered him a shortcut to the cross. He said, instead of going to the cross, you could just bow down and worship me, and you wouldn't have to endure any of that. And Jesus fought those temptations. And now he comes back from that, and he's full of the Holy Spirit. We see in verse 14 here. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through all the surrounding district. And he began teaching in their synagogues, and was praised by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed him. And he opened the book and he found a place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the release to the captives and recover the sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. He closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant. And he sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. 
And all were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And they were saying, is this not Joseph's son? So Jesus comes back and he, he does what he always does. He goes to church, right? He goes to church on Sunday and, and the, the leader of the synagogue actually asks him to read scripture. He, he was well known at this point. People were hearing about the things he was doing. They were hearing about his teaching. He taught with one as with authority, right? I teach up here with the authority of the Bible, but he was teaching with the authority of God, Amen. right? He, he, he was God himself and he was teaching with that authority. If I tell you to do something and it's not in here, you should thumb your nose at me. You should say, no, 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 no. I do what's in here. But Jesus, Jesus was looking at the Old Testament. He was explaining the Old Testament and he was giving them what he as God wanted them to know. So there's power there. And the, the synagogue leader gives him um, the prophet, the book of the prophet Isaiah. And it wouldn't have been a book, right? We translate that book, but we know it would have been a scroll, so we would have, you know, rolling that thing out. And then he found the place where it said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And, and he, he lists all these things that he's going to do. And he closes the book and he sits down. And now in, in our context, right, if I read a, a passage of scripture and then I sat down, you would think, okay, well, somebody else is going to talk now. But that's not the way it was. When... When they did this in the synagogue, he would have come over and he would have sat down, and then he would have talked. And so he sits down, and he starts talking about this, and he says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And initially, it goes really well, right? Look at verse 22. And all were speaking well of him, and wondering, there's that word again, wondering, at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And they were saying, is this not Joseph's son? We get that first little first little hint of trouble there. Is this not Joseph's son? It's all right, though. We still have some good vibes going. People are talking, and Jesus is preaching. And then he says this. He starts in verse 23. And he said to them, No doubt you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we heard was done at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. They'd heard about the miracles that he'd done. They said, Do them here. Prove yourself to us. Do them here. And he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. But I say to you in truth, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah. But when the sky was shut up for three years and six months, when a great famine came over all the land, and yet Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. That was a challenging statement to them. All of Israel was suffering, and, and Elijah was sent to a Gentile, a heathen. He was sent out of the land of Israel because Israel was ignoring God. They were following Baal. And so he said, when, when Israel w wouldn't acknowledge me, Elijah went to the Gentiles. And then he follows it up with another story. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet. And none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman, the Syrian. The Syrians were hated. They were hated because they would always attack the Israelites. It'd be like saying um, Jesus sent um, a prophet to ISIS instead of America, right? And you'd be like, oh, ISIS. It was very offensive. And all the people in the synagogue were filled with rage 
as they heard these things. And they got up, and they drove him out of the city, and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city had been built in order to throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went on his way. We turn one page. Where'd the peace go? Where's the excitement and then the joy of the, of the coming Messiah? Well, Jesus was actually pretty clear on where it went. You see, these folks had grown up around Jesus. They, they'd seen Jesus building things in Joseph's workshop. They, they'd seen him eating and drinking and sleeping. And now here he was saying that he was the Messiah. And then to top it off, Jesus looks back at the Old Testament for us in our Bible. For them, it would have been the Torah, the only testament for them. And he reminds them of the times that God helped the Gentiles instead of the Jews. Now keep in mind, Jesus doesn't make something up new and add it to the Torah. This isn't something new that he just threw in there to tick them off. This was in the Torah. They would have been familiar with these stories. They would have known about Elijah and the widow and Elisha and Naaman. But Jesus first says, I'm the Messiah. Oh, by the way, you will reject me. No prophet is welcome in his hometown. So since my people will reject me, the primary benefactors, the ones that are, that are going to get the best out of this, of my ministry, just like in the old days when people wouldn't have, when Israel wouldn't have anything to do to me, the ones that are going to get the best benefit from this ministry are Gentiles. Just look at what I did with Elijah and Elisha. And there was no one willing to accept them in their home country. People are enraged. Who is this little upstart? This carpenter's son. Who does he think he is talking to us this way? And ironically, they do exactly what he said they would. Remember? The prophet has no honor in his hometown. And they grab him, and they run him to a high spot, and they're trying to throw him down, but he just walks through the midst of them, like they aren't even there. And from that point on, he takes his ministry elsewhere. If we were to continue in the next verse, uh, you would see he went to Capernaum. And the next verse after that says they were amazed by his message. And they didn't try and throw him off a cliff in Capernaum. They were amazed by his message. It's not his hometown. And although eventually all of Israel would turn against him, for now, it's just his hometown. The prophet has no honor in his hometown. Now, I don't profess to have mind-reading powers. I can't tell you what you got for Christmas. I can't tell you what you're going to have for lunch. But I don't need any of that to figure out what you're probably wondering right now. What in the world does this have to do with Christmas? <laughs> I mean, we got off with a good start with the Christmas story, right? But well, since it's Christmas Day, my gift to you will be to cut to the chase and not leave you wondering. When we look at these two uh, as individual stories, right, it's easy to compartmentalize and say, okay, this was one story and this was another story. But when we study the Bible, it's one story. And there, there are pieces of the story that are contained in there, but it is one story. We begin to see that the, the people of Israel were perfectly willing to accept 
a Messiah baby. There were angels and great miracles, like the star that was above the wise men. They were very happy to celebrate the coming of their idea of what God would do and how he would act and what he would say. But when they were faced with the reality of the Messiah and his mission and his plan, and they understood that his will was contrary to theirs, they grew enraged and tried to kill him. Fast forward a couple thousand years and we see this is still going on. Some people in my family really like those cheesy Christmas movies. You know what I'm talking about? They are so cheesy. The ones you, you can almost predict what the person's going to say next, right? And the guy walks in, and you know his, his storyline before he even opens his mouth. Single dad, wife died on Christmas, daughter hates Christmas because of that. Those movies, right? And these movies, they're all produced in the same Hollywood that churns out filth all year long. I'm not saying that all movies are bad, but it does feel more and more like what little redeeming value that Hollywood used to have in their movies is mostly gone. So all year long, Hollywood spits out movie after movie after movie with things in them that are against God in almost every manner. And then Christmas time hits. And those same producers that, that, that produced all that all year long, they put out their Christmas movies now. And I was struck this year as I heard one song over and over and over in all of these movies. Any guesses on what song that song was? Somebody said it. Joy to the world. Joy to the world. And none of the movies would, would edit the song. They actually sang the words. Joy to the world, the Lord has come, let earth receive her king. And the irony of it just smacked me in the face. People that would have nothing to do with Jesus Christ for 11 months out of the year were now putting songs in their movies that told the world to joyously celebrate her Lord's arrival. That there was now a king over the earth. As I was preparing this week, I realized our world is more than happy to receive her king as long as he's a baby in a manger. As long as it's 2,000 years ago. They're ready to accept a king that, that doesn't say things like repent and be saved. Take up your cross daily. Die to self. Make Jesus your Lord. They want a king that says goo goo gaga. <laughs> and his mother can store these things up in her heart all she wants. Those are fine. But what the world fails to recognize, and honestly sometimes we as Christians fail to recognize, <clears throat> is that that baby grew into a lion. And he did say things that were challenging. Things that make it difficult to follow him. Indeed, if we didn't have the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't be able to do any of them. And now, if, if you were to tell the same people that wholeheartedly gobble up Christmas movies with joy to the world in them, that there is a thing called sin, that we're not supposed to do some things, many of which are portrayed in the movies, 
they will become enraged and they will seek to throw you off a cliff. As we go our separate ways this Christmas day, let me encourage you to enjoy this day. Remember my, my favorite verse in Ecclesiastes. It's Ecclesiastes 9.9. Enjoy life with the woman whom you love all the days of your fleeting life which he has given to you under the sun. For this is your reward in life and in your toil in which you have labored under the sun. Spend time with your family. Enjoy the feeling of home with the family that God has given you. Tomorrow and the next day and the next day, move forward in the story. Take up the challenge of the writer in Hebrews. He wrote about Jesus, starting in Hebrews 5, uh, verse 11. Concerning him, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained. Practice. Notice that word there. It's not a one-time thing. It's practice. Like an athlete. Every day. Training. Every day. So that your senses are trained to discern good and evil. As we move forward into a new year, let us seek the solid food of the word of the Lord. Let us not hang around in the manger seeking milk. Be like our Savior. Grow up in faith so that we might seek the meat of the word of God. No longer baby Christians, but Christians that roar in the power of Christ. Amen. That can discern between good and evil because our world isn't staying a baby. More and more there are Difficult decisions about life that require us to be able to see what the right thing is to do. To see what God wants done. Decisions that, apart from knowing the word of God and praying in his Holy Spirit, will be impossible to discern. Let this year coming up, 2023, be a year in which we all grow together. And enjoy the meat of the word of the Lord together with the goal in mind to seek out people from all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey all that Jesus has commanded us. And lo, he will be with us to the end of the age. Let's pray. Lord, we again thank you for this morning. Such an exciting time, Christmas so fun to be around family and, and to, to feel the warmth of, of all those around us and, and the joy and the, the memories. Lord, as we move forward, though, as, as, as we move on from your birth, Lord, we pray that we would seek the meat of your word, Lord, that we would grow beyond baby Christians, that we would roar with the power of Jesus Christ and that our community would be impacted, that lives would be impacted, that hope would be shared and that you would be glorified. We love you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray.
Amen. Amen.